0: going to wrap up our series today on resilience. And I I want to let you know too, uh, I'm really excited about the month of August. Um, You know, we have several people here who are local licensed. And our licensing process, what you do is you go to your church uh, leadership team, Talk about the call of ministry in your life, and they give you a local license, and you hold that, and you serve in the church, and then you get a district license, and then you move through a process that our denomination is is in charge of, and then you become ordained as as an elder, or as I like to call it, a wizard in the church, and uh, so... You know, Pastor Mike and Pastor Carrie and I, we're wizards. Um, Some of us are more wizardy than the others, but anyway, uh, so we have two local licensed people here. Pastor Ashley, who is the leader of our youth and family, and then Pastor uh, Wes, who also helps um, with youth and and children and family as well. So they're associate pastors. And uh, so they are gonna get to preach for the very first time. So isn't that exciting? Yeah. And so Pastor Ashley's gonna preach next week. um, And then uh, Pastor Wes is gonna preach on the 14th. And then on the 21st, and I got backpack drive, or back back to school bash wrong, it's on the 20th. But on the 21st, my wife is gonna preach for the first time, Kate, right? Yeah, yes, and a lot of people are asking, like, how did that come about? What happened was we got in a fight, and this is her punishment. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, my wife has always had a call to to, to preach and and to speak. She's told me, she said, you know, one, one of my like fantasies is that something bad would happen to you, and I would have to preach on Sunday morning. And uh, she 's a very sick person, and uh, but I'm excited. i 'm excited. I stayed up Tuesday night till about midnight reading over all of their first drafts, and we had meetings on Wednesday. Man, I tell you what guys I just we 're so blessed to have so many and you guys should give a round of applause. We are so blessed to have so many great people who are called and led by God to lead our church, are we not um, from Pastor Mike to Pastor Kerry to Pastor West to Pastor Ashley uh, and uh, CJ leading our band, we have such a great group of leaders um, who really, really care and who love God. And so I'm really excited about August. And then, like I said, the last Sunday in August will be our 10-year anniversary, um, and I'm I, I will be speaking that Sunday. And uh, we are going to have a big, big party. Sugar Fire is going to be here for lunch, so you do not want to miss that Sunday. So we won't look forward to that. But. To wrap up this series, um, I got a question for you. What, what do you feed your mind? What do you feed your mind? I was reading uh, an interesting article this week. The, there's a group of psychologists who were seeing um, an uptick in female, teenage females who are having tics, as in like Tourette's. And, which was very unusual because if you don't know anything about Tourette's, typically uh, Tourette's is found more in males than they are females. But the other thing that kind of boggled their mind was that the ticks were very odd. Like the ticks were that they were speaking in a British accent, okay? So, I mean, they were unusual tics, and, and, and they couldn't understand it, and it baffled them. But do you know what they figured out? They figured out that it wasn't just... Ticks or Tourette's that were developed in their genes, but that it was actually TikTok. Have you heard of the social media app TikTok, right? Some of you have TikTok, some of you go on TikTok, and some of you know there are some influencers, some TikTokers that have ticks or Tourette's. And they will post and they'll talk about their tics and Tourette's. And so this is, a, this is fascinating. These teenage girls were following and watching so many TikToks with influencers who had Tourette's that they actually developed Tourette's as a neurological disorder. Isn't that fascinating? And so uh, Dr. Uh, Denown, who, who was the lead researcher on this, he said this. Go to that next uh, slide. The brain imitates what it sees. It's used as an escape mechanism. So what they were finding is that these teenage girls were feeding their minds with these TikToks where the influencer had Tourette's, legitimate Tourette's, and they themselves were imitating what they were seeing as an escape mechanism. So when they were stressed, when they were worried, they were anxious, Tourette's was developed in them through their brain. Isn't that scary? There, you know, but there's been a ton of research on this about what you feed your brain. Um, Dr. Emmons and also Dr. Michael E. McCullin, um, they are both from the uh, University of California and the University of Miami. They did a study on gratitude and what gratitude did to the brain. And what they did is they had three different groups separated them out, they had one group spend time in their journal every single day writing things that they were thankful for, writing letters and notes of gratitude, and then they had a second group that wrote irritations, things that made them upset, things that made them stressed, things that made them angry, and they kept a journal and log of those. And then they had a third group that was kind of a control group that just wrote observances. So they didn't tell them if, you know, it had to be good or bad or anything like that. They wrote those things down. And, and, and so what they found was about 40 days into this study is that the group that were, they were writing down irritants and stuff, they were sick morons often they they were less motivated they struggled in class because this was all um this was all college students they struggled they were uh, dealing with financial issues but the group that wrote down things to be thankful for every day things of gratitude they were more healthy they worked out more often they had better control of their finances um and, and they overall said that they were better at life isn't that amazing so let me ask you this question again. What do you feed your mind? Because it seems to matter. It seems that again, we're not even to the spiritual part yet, folks, okay? We're just to the biological and neurological part of the sermon. I mean, if you're not a Christian, then you know, we're not even to that part. This is a si- this is the science part of the message. Science says that what you feed your mind with matters, makes a huge impact. Anyway, more on that in just a second. But we are finishing up our series called Resilience, and the definition of resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. Toughness has the ability to spring back into shape. Resilience is something that we all want to have, something we all think that we have. But the truth is, is that over the last couple years, many of us have found that we are not as resilient as we thought. Why is that? Why is it that many of us, we have found that we're kind of, we're breaking down. We've said we're done. We've said we've reached our limit. And and, and as Christians, a a lot of us have struggled too because, I mean, we always say around here, like Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life. But we've even found that Christians have sometimes been the worst culprits, the most stressed, the most done, the the people who are the most burnt out. And so we've been talking a little bit about what that is. And the first thing is this, Sunday school faith. Because many of us grew up on a a Sunday school faith where we were told that nothing bad will ever happen to you. You know, that don't worry, God will never give you more than you can handle. That if you are thrown in the lion's den, you will survive. If you are thrown in the fire, you will come out unburned. But the truth is, is that many of us have found that that is not the truth. That we as Christians are not protected in any way, shape, or form. We, we get burned like everybody else. We get bit by the lions by, just like everybody else. And the thing is, is that it's possibly our Sunday school faith that we grew up on that was somewhat of a lie to us, when really what we should have been taught is what Jesus taught his disciples, that new covenant faith, that Jesus covered faith, where yes, bad things will happen to you, but God is with you through them all. That that is why we need to yoke ourselves to Christ, that that is why we need to lean on him, because even though the world may be hard, God has already conquered the world. The other thing we talked about, the reason we as Christians probably suffer, is Christianity is not a reference point. It's a context. And for many of us, Christianity is is just a reference point. And I'm the context. I listen to my feelings. I listen to my my emotions. I listen to my urges. And, And Christianity is just one reference point. Jesus is just one reference point out of many other reference points that I draw from. But the thing is, is that if that's the way that you live, then, well, Jesus is not going to make your life better and make you better at life. Of course you're going to struggle just like everybody else. Christianity is not a reference point. It is a context. Jesus has to be Lord of your life. And you have to follow. Believing is not enough. We've said this throughout this series. Following Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life. But believing, believing gets you neither. Believing is not enough. So, We've talked about what this looks like, right? And a lot of this has been talking about the difference between following and believing. The difference between following and believing. We talked about how we need to yoke ourselves to Christ, how we need to follow Christ. And then we also talked about how our, our faith has to be flexed, that these are, these are opportunities. Even though they're bad opportunities, it's an opportunity for us to flex our faith, to work out our faith, that perseverance can be built up in us. And then last week, we talked about your gas tank. We talked about your capacity, and we also talked about the importance of your reserves. And again, I apologize so, so much. I got so many text messages and DMs that said, I knew the moment you spoke, going to preach about reserves, that God was going to test our faith the very next week. And so I'm so sorry for those of you who got COVID or your dog almost died or the basement that flooded, okay? It's not my fault. I'm just following God's lead, okay? But yeah, here, here it comes, right? Here, come, here came this week all of the tests of things where a lot of you, you needed your reserve this week. A lot of you, your capacity was tested. Your gas tank that was about here just whoosh, depleted, right? Your sleep depleted, your energy depleted, and now you understand the importance of reserves. But I want to talk to you today about your mind, about what your mind takes in. You know, our generation is the most plugged-in generation of all time. Our generation, we take in more media, we take in more pictures, we take in more information than any generation than ever before. I read once that our generation takes in more information in a day than they did 60 years ago in a lifetime. That's how much information and data that we take in. And the thing is, is that psychologists have noticed that this is part of this pandemic. This is part of this trauma, right, that we're dealing with now. As COVID kind of changes and adapts and things become a little bit safer, this is what we're dealing with. And this is what one psychologist said. He said, when the human heart and soul experience month after month of disappointment and loss, death rolls in. And then he says this, he finishes up the statement. He says, hundreds or thousands of tiny disappointments, each one hardly noticeable on their own, are crushing. And this is Dr. Richard uh, Gunderman. So here, here's what he's saying by this. Some of us, we, we suffered immense loss during the pandemic, during, during the last couple of years, right? But others of us, we did not experience massive loss, what we experience is tiny little disappointments over time, over time, over time, over time. Tiny little disappointments over time, over time, over time. And what we've seen is is that those tiny little disappointments have added up, and they've added up to loss, right? It's like have any of you felt like you were grieving, but you're like, I don't know why I'm, I'm grieving. I don't know why I'm sad. I, I didn't lose anybody. Nobody's died. I still have my job. But yet, I feel as though I'm going through a stage of grief. And this is why. Why? Because there have been so many tiny little disappointments that have added up. Tiny little things that have been bad that we found out about that are even going on in the world and they have affected us. I mean, just even the media today. If you turn on the news, I mean, are you prepared to hear good news or an hour and a half of bad news? Bad news. I mean, that's what it is. Every time you open up your phone, every time you watch the news, it's just, it's bad news news. I was reading this week. I, I Again, I, just like many of you, I'm scrolling and I, I see an article and it was talking about the people who work at those 800 number places. You know, like you call the 1-800 and you tell them, you, you know, your internet's down or your air conditioning's not working or whatever else, or your, your dryer's making this weird noise. And so you call this 800 number and they talked about how these people are some of the most depressed people. This is one of the most depressing jobs you could ever have, which many of you know because you know how you talk to those people at those 800 numbers, right? But this whole article was talking about how they're treated and then their work conditions and the amount of abuse and the little pay and all this stuff. And I'm reading this article and I'm like, dear goodness, these people, this is such an injustice. But guess what? The day before that, it was other bad news. It was another problem. It was another type of injustice that was going on in the world. And then guess what? The day after that, it was something completely different. I mean, the amount of bad information that we take in, the amount of injustices, the amount of social issues that come rolling in, I mean, it is just, it can feel devastating, and it feels like it just never stops. You know what? Jesus, he talked about this. He, he, he even addressed this. He warned the disciples, actually. This is what he said. He says, he, he was talking about the end. And a lot of people debate, was he talking about the end of time? Was he talking about the end of their lives? Uh, neither here nor there. It really doesn't matter because it, it, it impacted them. That was the big deal. It was about how it impacted them. And this is what he said. He says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. You know what? You know what Jesus was telling them? Jesus was telling them at the end, and whatever that end may be, there are going to be all of these things that are going to try to draw their attention. There are going to be all of these things that they get spun up into, okay? all of these things that are gonna to try to get them spun up and, and wound up and angry and agitated and aggravated. And you know what Jesus was telling them? He was saying, but hey, you are not to be alarmed. He told them, he said, those things, they're gonna happen, they're, they're, they're scary, they're devastating, but do not be spun up by them. Do not be spun up by them. Do not get agitated by them. Do not get irritated by them. Do not be alarmed. Somebody needs to hear this, and this will be the only takeaway that you have today, okay? I'm going to give you permission, and you need to, to, to write this down. You need to tell it to yourself. You need to put it on a sticky note, okay? Here it is. You do not need to be angered by everything. Amen. You do not need to be angered by everything. Every single day, you need to understand this, okay? The media is not the media you once knew, okay? The media, they are a business, okay? And they are in the business of making money and how they make money is they get your attention, okay? Understand that. They are no longer just reporting information. They are a business and they are after your attention. And guess what gets your attention more than anything else? Bad news. (laughs) And here's the thing. Every single time there's a report of something, they try to spin you into it. They try to anger you. They tell you it's time to pick a side. You need to get spun up into this. You need to, you need to know about this. You need to pick a side. You need to get all wound up and get angered. But here's the thing. You do not need to be angered by everything. You do not need an opinion on everything. You do not need to be alarmed by everything. It is okay to listen to an issue, to listen to an, an injustice or something that's going on. And somebody asks you, well, what do you think about it? And go, I don't know. I really don't have an opinion. And they look at you and go, what? No, no, no. You have to. You have to have an opinion. No, I don't. I don't. I don't have to be angered by everything. I don't have to be bothered by everything. Everything cannot be uh, driven by my emotion. That's not how these things go. And we've got to understand that there's a powerful tool that's being used here against us. And that tool is this, narrative. Did you know that our brains process information according to story, according to narrative? It's why those you know those caveman drawings, you know, there's never caveman drawings that are like written out just like information and facts, are they? No, what are they? They're stories. In these ancient caves of these, you know, stories, there are always stories. There's always a narrative. There's always this picture that's being played out. It's the reason the Old Testament, I mean, we could debate all, all day long the accuracy of the Old Testament, the, but the reason a lot of it is written the way it is is because it's written in a story format. It's the story of Jewish history, and the reason is it's because why? Because our brains process information In form of narrative. It's it's stories. It's stories that we remember. It's stories that we become invested into. And here's the thing. These media companies are using narratives or stories to get you spun up. To get your brain involved in whatever it is that's going on. And so they tell you. What they tell you is they don't tell you information. They tell you narratives. They tell you stories. Like, like, for instance, in politics, what is it? It's a political narrative. And they say, we just need to get the right people in power, right? It's never facts. I, I swear, one election, I would love just a spreadsheet of facts uh, of different issues. Yes or no? That's all I need. That's all I want. But we don't get that, do We, we get narratives. We get story or social injustice. There's social narratives, Right? Social narratives, they tell you this, this issue is an injustice, and we need justice. Or how about economic narratives, right? In economic narratives, this is going to get worse before it gets better. These are the narratives. These are the stories that our brains take in, and it's what gets us involved. It's what gets us invested in these issues, but here's what we need to understand because there's so many narratives, and there's so many issues, and there and there's so many stories that make this world look like such a dark and, and, and grim place, but here's what we need to understand. Every narrative is part of a bigger story, and that is the story of God. I'll read it again so your brains can process the information. Every narrative is a part of a bigger story, and that is the story of God. You know what they do? They wrap us into these narratives, and they wrap us into these narratives to where, like, you've got to understand if when we get to the end of this story, you're going to either lose or you're going to win. You're either going to die or you're going to live. You're either going to be poor or you're going to be okay. They spin us up into these narratives and we think, oh my goodness, when we get to the end of this narrative, I'm either going to make it or I'm not. But we need to understand that outside of all of these narratives that are being told to us, there is a greater story and that is the story of God. And we need to understand that the story of the world is still the story of God. And guess what? We've already been given the spoiler of how the story of God ends, and we are going to be okay. So every time that they try to spin us into a narrative, whether it's an election, whether it's a Supreme Court decision, whether it's a pandemic or whatever it may be, we think, oh, no, this is the end. If we don't get it, what? what if 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 candidate a gets elected instead of b what's going to happen oh it's going to be bad what kind of bad are you talking about end of the world bad fine well you know what i know how it happens after the end of the world i'm okay well you might be okay it could be your life well i know what happens at the end of my life and i know i'm gonna be okay well, it might be. No, 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 no. See, they try to spin you in these narratives, and you, what happens is, is you get so short focused. And you only think about this, but when you understand that God is the God of the universe, that God's story trumps any story we could ever live through on this earth. I don't know if you know this or not, there have been a lot of people here before us. You know that? Every time I hear somebody, especially usually Christians say, Christian go, oh, it's getting really bad, this is it, this is it, I, I think I'm gonna see Jesus in my lifetime. I think this is the end. Do you know how many thousands of generations have said that? I mean, there was a caveman going, oh, this it. Right? I mean, somebody has always thought that this was it, but guess what, it's never been it. And we know Jesus is gonna come back. We know it's gonna come, but guess what? It's not today. It's not right now. We have to keep at the forefront of our mind that whatever narrative we're listening to, this is just a chapter and story of God. And it doesn't matter who's president. It doesn't matter who's in charge. It doesn't matter what the law is. It doesn't matter what they say or or what this may be. God is still the king of kings and the God of the universe, period. So let me ask you a question. Does your current emotional state reflect your confidence that Jesus is Lord of everything on earth? Because here's the thing. Some of us would say no. Because you know your current emotional state is wrapped up in this narrative that's being told. And you're anxious and you're stressed and you're fearful because of this narrative that's being told. And your confidence is not in God. Your confidence is in man. Your confidence is in the law. Your confidence is in the election. Your confidence is in this ruling. And that's not how it should be. Instead, instead of focusing on the story the world is trying to wind you up in, focus on the story God is spinning you into. Because the truth is, is that God is doing amazing things all around you. God is doing good things. God is doing things in your, in your arena, in your life, that should produce joy in you. Don't let them steal that from you. Paul talked about this. There was a, In the church in Philippi, there was a lot of disagreements going on. There were some social justice and injustice issues and things going on with women and men and different things like that. And Paul steps in and he defends these women and tells them to take care of them and stuff. And he says all this stuff. And there's a lot of disagreements. There's a lot of bickering and stuff and different things like that. And it's just kind of a hard time. And this was right before Christians began the the persecution under Nero and different stuff. So this was a very well-timed letter that he chooses to write to the church in Philippi. And um, it's written in, in different sections. If you read through Philippians, it's a little disjointed because it's actually probably about four different little segmented parts of a letter all put together. And Timothy is actually a co-author on it. But when we look at Philippians, there's something that, that Paul tells him. He says this, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Yeah, easier said than done, right? Again, this is your hobby lobby plaque, okay? Looks great. Looks really good on a wall. Ooh, put that in some script and some black paint on a white background. And I love that right there, right? this You've all heard this verse before. This is a great verse. But honestly, the the real people, the people like me, I look at that and go, well, that's a bunch of baloney, right? I mean, because, I mean, that's hard to do. But this is what he tells us to do, right? But then he talks about how do we do that? So then he goes on. And he says this next. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Again. Most anxious guy in the room goes, that's a bunch of, you know, what? I can't, no, I can't do that. But he tells us how. He says, but in every situation, by, 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 that means he goes, this is how you do it. I'm not telling you just believe it. I'm not telling you just have some faith, brother. He says, I'm telling you how to do it. I'll tell you how to rejoice in every situation. I'll tell you how to not be anxious about anything by prayer and petition, Prayer and petition. This goes back to what we were talking about last week with the reserves. What did Jesus do? He withdrew. He withdrew and he was alone and it was quiet and he would pray and he would grieve. Paul is saying this is how it's done. It's in line with the same teachings and the life of Christ. Do you know how you cannot be anxious about anything? Do you know how you could rejoice in every situation? Let me tell you what you do by prayer, by petition. By being alone. And he even adds to it, he says, with thanksgiving. Meaning doing what? Practicing what we just talked about. Practicing the art of gratitude. Even science, you may not be Christian at all, even science says this will actually work. By practicing thanksgiving and gratitude, it can literally change our hearts and our brains. And he says, present your request to God. And then he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which means the world may say things are really, really bad. Things, but the world may say, oh, this is it. This is doom. This is gloom. This is really bad. But you know what? If you would do this, it would transcend all understanding. And then it says, and Jesus, it doesn't say, Jesus will make your life better. Jesus will fix all your problems. Jesus will put a little protective bubble over you, and nothing bad will ever happen to you or your family. It's not what he says. It says, Jesus will guard your hearts and your minds. You understand what that means? That means that Jesus is not going to fix your problems, but he can help you with your mind and your heart as you navigate through them. That's what he's saying saying, Jesus, Jesus isn't going to be your magical genie that just makes everything better. But he can impact how you think. He can impact your thoughts. He can impact how you feel. He can impact your stress and your anxiety. But this only happens by prayer and petition and gratitude and thanksgiving. Then he keeps going on. He's still talking to him he says, finally, brothers and sisters, which again, I always love to point this out. Isn't it amazing that in a patriarchal world where women were owned by men, that he's writing a letter and he says, brothers and who? Sisters. Wow. It's like he views women and men in the same regard. That's fascinating. I just always have to point that out when it shows up, okay? He says, whatever is true, whatever is true, Whatever is true, and I'll tell you the spoiler of how this is gonna end. He's gonna say, think on these things. So whatever is true, think on these things. Let me talk to you, church, okay? If you're a Christian, you gotta listen up. If you're not a Christian, you just applaud at the end, okay? Christians should never, ever, ever be conspiracy theorists, okay? Christians should never, ever, ever Be conspiracy theorists. You know why? Because we know what conspiracy does. Conspiracy breaks up unity. And we are supposed to be a united church and we are supposed to bring unity to the world, not mix it up. Amen. We are not meant to be conspiracy theorists. We are not meant to think of these, the, the, these things that don't have any facts or don't have any truth. You know what we're supposed to delight in? We are supposed to, to delight in the truth is what the word tells us. We, we stand on the foundation of truth, not conspiracy theories. There's enough conspiracy theories about Christians already. We believe a guy died and rose again three days later. We don't need to add to the drama, okay? Okay? Let's not add anything else that there's lizards in the middle of the planet or anything like that, okay? It's not a good look on us. We need to delight in truth. And we need to set our minds on what is true. And Jesus talked about this. He warned his disciples even as they went out and he told them this. He said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Guess what? I am sending you all out today like sheep among wolves, okay? The media's wolves, there's wolves in your lives, all kinds of people that are not in your best interest. They want to devour you. And Jesus, he says this, he says, therefore, be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Christians, you need to be a little bit more shrewd. Okay? Just because Fox and CNN says it doesn't make it true. Okay? Whoever you listen to, they are not the gospel truth. There are things that we hear all the time. We get spun into a narrative, and then we find out it's the exact opposite of what actually happened. Anybody remember Jesse Smouye? From that show on Fox, Jesse Smuye, who said that there were a, a bunch of guys because, because he, he's, he's part of the L B G T Q community. And he said a bunch of guys jumped him and had Trump hats on and stuff and beat him to death and did all these things. And then it turns out it was a whole charade and it was just a, a bunch of his buddies that he hired. And now he's just got sentenced. He's going to serve six months in prison. But what was the narrative that came out? A bunch of racist Trumpers beat up Jesse in the in the back of a subway, right? What are you doing in Chicago at Subway at 3 a.m., son? Like, that was the first question, right? But it just didn't make sense. But that was the narrative that got spun, and then it turned out wasn't true. That happens so often. We need to be more shrewd, because we delight in the truth, not in conspiracy theories. Then he goes on, and he says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and whatever is noble. Do you know what noble means? Noble means respectable, admirable, noble. Here's the truth of the day that we live in. Every single person in this room has an influencer that they follow. You may not have all the social media apps or whatever else, but every single person has an influencer that they listen to. I'll never forget as a kid, man, every time, I I was thinking about this one because we're going on vacation this week and I was thinking about vacations. Every time we'd go on a vacation in our minivan, my dad would listen to Rush Limbaugh for hours. I mean, I know Rush Limbaugh's voice like he's the voice of God because I would try to, to sleep. My dad would put us in the van at 5 a.m. and be like, oh, just go back to sleep, everybody. I'll, I'll drive us there. You know, we're on our way to Branson, and I can't because I got Rush Limbaugh blaring uh, how he feels and what he's angry about into my brain, okay? We all, though, we all have influencers, It could be somebody on the news. It could be a podcaster. It could be somebody on social media. Every single one of us have an influencer that we follow. And guess what? Whoever that is that you follow, guess what they do? They influence you. It's in the name. And guess what? When you're listening to that podcast or that radio thing or that sermon or whatever it may be, what they get angry about, you get angry about. What they are concerned about, you're concerned about. What agitates them, agitates you. What's important to them becomes important to you. It is what happens. It's how your brain works. Let me ask you something. Are you surrounded by noble influencers? When you go looking for information, and I think it's great, you need to be informed, okay? But when you go listening to influencers, who do you listen to? Because whether you know it or not or like it or not, they are influencing you. Then he goes on. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right. And probably a better translation of this, if you looked at the Greek word, it would be righteous. Whatever is righteous, meaning whatever is in line with the will of God. Can we be honest a lot of us, we don't always fill our minds with things that are in line with the will of God. Stories, narratives, information, let's be honest, even some of our entertainment, it's not something that would be in line with the will of God. He says, this is what you should fill your mind with. Danny says this, Whatever is true, noble, right, and whatever is pure. Whatever is pure. You know, there are a lot of injustices in the world. There are a lot of things that are coming to light, a lot of things we're talking about for the very first time, or we kind of put them on the back burner. And I think it's great. I think a lot of these things that we're talking about, are they're good to talk about. They're things that we should talk about. But the thing is, is that although some of these issues we need to do something about them. The thing is is that some groups when they come in, how they wanna take care of the situation is not pure. I agree, I agree, racism is wrong, racism is a problem. But I'm sorry, I, I could not jump on with Black Lives Matter not because of the message but because of the things that were happening in our country. I can't in any way, shape, or form, there is no problem in the world where I could, I could support riots or destroying businesses or going in the streets and lighting cities on fire. I'm sorry, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I can't get behind that because that is not pure. And the church is just as guilty because the church, there are issues that have come up. Abortion is a big one. That's a hot topic right now. And guess what? Although we may be right about what is wrong, it is about how we go about it that matters. I'll put it this way for you. How we fulfill our mission is of the utmost importance. We could be right But because of our approach, it could make us wrong. Is that clear? We can be right, but if we go about it the wrong way or if we use the wrong Bible verses to support our agenda, we will be in the wrong. And we have to be pure. And we have to be righteous. Then he says this, he finishes it up, and he says, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. These are the things that you should fill your mind with. Why? Because you become what you feed your mind with. So let me ask you a question. What are you feeding your mind with? What are you feeding your mind with? Is it? Is it true? Is it noble? Is it righteous? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Just think about it. Music, television, podcasts, media, books, influencers is it right, is it noble, is it true, is it pure, is it lovely, is it encouraging? If not, it may be the source of some of your stress. If not, it may be the source of some of your anxiety. If not, it may be the source of some of your hostility towards others. And then Paul, he ends it and he says this, He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice. Put it into practice. And then, and then the God of peace will be with you. But you got to put it into practice. Why? Because following Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life. But believing gets you neither. You have to follow. You have to do. You have to put into practice in order for God to guard your heart, in order for God to guard your mind, in order for you to be healthy, in order for you to be emotionally stable, in order for you to be better at life and for your life to be better. You have to put in the teachings of Jesus into practice in your life. Are you doing that? Can you do that? I think you can. And I think you want to. And it begins by taking what we've learned in this series and putting it into practice every single day. I'm gonna invite the band to come back up. And we're gonna gonna sing a song together. And it's called Gratitude. And here's what I wanna encourage you to do. I want you to stand with me this morning. Would you stand with me today? I want you to stand with me And this morning, I want to just use this moment to kind of reset our brains, okay? We're going to do a brain reset. We're going to do a reboot here, okay? And I want you to just close your eyes with me. Everybody, close your eyes, bow your heads, wherever it may be, just close your eyes. I want you to think about this morning what you are grateful for. I want you to just picture the blessings that you have in your life. Maybe that would be your spouse. Maybe that would be your parents. Maybe that would be your kids. Maybe that would be your job or your vocation. Maybe that would be your friends. Or maybe that would even be your church. I want you to picture those faces in your mind. I want you to picture those smiles. I want you to picture those experiences and those moments you've had. I want you to picture those times where you've laughed, and those times that you've cried. I want you to understand that all of those things have been a gift from God that you didn't deserve, that you didn't earn. And he gave you because he loves you. I've played the last 10 years we've had at this church, videos and pictures and moments we've shared together. And oh my gosh, I am so thankful. I have so much to be thankful for today. It's overwhelming. It's so much bigger than what is on the news or what's going on with my house, or what's going on at my job, or what I'm frustrated with, or any injustice that's going on. When I focus on those things, when I think on those things of how good God has been, oh my goodness, wow, it's overwhelming. So as we worship this morning, I want us to have a moment of gratitude, a moment to fill up our reserves, a moment through prayer and petition to be filled by God's Spirit this morning and to let all of the grim, to let all of the dark just be washed away and off of us today. Will you sing with me this morning?